You're listening to WHTT Speaks Out. Each week, Chuck Carlson and members of We Hold These Truths look into events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events to get free and periodic updates to this program and our other interesting programs. Be sure to enter your email address in the subscribe to WHTT box on the right side of our website, WHTT.org. And now, ready, set, let the sparks fly. In today's WHTT, we're very fortunate to have with us Phoenix Goodman, who is the co-founder of Public Bank LA, also director of Revolution LA and Divest LA. I think they're all kind of connected, and we'll find out about that. So thank you very much for uh, coming on to talk about this effort and in Los Angeles to institute a public bank after the likes of the Bank of North Dakota that's been in existence for over 100 years. So first, I'd like to turn it over to Chuck, and he will introduce Phoenix. Ladies and gentlemen, we're really proud to have Phoenix on with us. And Mr. Goodman started this effort, which he called Public Bank LA, and it's now publicbankla.com. And he was a co-founder of this. In June, the city of Los Angeles City Council voted unanimously to place a resolution on the ballot in November that would allow the citizens of Los Angeles to vote on whether they should create a public bank owned by the city that would be regulated by the state of California and not by the Federal Reserve Bank the international organization that we've written so much about, and not by them, and of course not controlled by the private banks that dominate our economy. If we are taking a look at the website that I referred to, Mr. Goodman writes, the city of Los Angeles banks with unethical Wall Street firms responsible for fraud, corruption, investment in fossil fuels, and war. And the website goes on to comment, support the movement and sign our change.org petition to Los Angeles Mayor Ernie Garcetti and the city council. We call on our elected officials to create a task force for the creation of a chartered public bank of Los Angeles. We want our city to use our public funds to benefit our local communities and the environment. Now, our most recent article about this was on June 1st when we posted a story that's called The Public Bank Movement. Its time has arrived. And what happened in June, later in June, is a very good indication that this public banking movement's time has indeed arrived because this Los Angeles move is a very big one. It is a strong indicator of public interest in doing something about the corruption of banking that allows the public banks to turn in record profits and at the same time pay we depositors nothing on our life savings that we have deposited in them. When people's money is at stake, they start to think. And that's exactly why the public banking movement is being considered seriously by people like the Los Angeles City Council. Phoenix Please tell us about your effort. What we want to know is how you did it. How, do you, how did you go about organizing to get the city council to consider this? 
And you can also tell us about the resistance that you're running up against and that you expect, because we know that that will happen and we want to be helpful. So I give you, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Phoenix Goodman. Good evening. Thank you for that great introduction and everything you said was uh, very well put. Yeah, I, I think that framing this as the the solution for many of the ills that you know, many uh, educated people uh, you know have realized about the system uh, is is important because I think I like you know many of the listeners uh, at some point came across information whether through books or the internet uh, that conveyed. Uh, some of the deep-seated problems with the banking system and how it really is the source of many of the world's ills as it stands. And unfortunately, the route that many people go once they come across that is down the road of cynicism, right? Uh, this is just how the world is, and it's a shame that that's how it is, and there's nothing we can do about it. You know, we decided to take the route of idealism and to uh, bring forward what we thought was a solution, which is taking the power of banking and you know, Chuck, we had talked about this before over there, that banking and money are not evil in and of themselves. They're simply power and it's a form of energy. And in whose hands that power uh, lies will determine everything else about society at the end of the day. So we decided that we were going to leverage the power of uh, the government, the state, the, you know, the auditor of the collective will, to uh, change laws, to create institutions on behalf of the people, to move that power of money creation and lending out from those who stand to only you know, profit themselves uh, towards redistributing that power in the name of the people in an ethical way um, and for the profit to go back into communities. We were able to do that by approaching City Hall, which Prior to that, you know, we had been for public banking generally as Revolution LA, uh, but it seemed like a very monolithic task. You know, how are you going to change Wall Street? It seemed almost more theoretical than anything. But one of the most powerful realizations we had was the power of city hall, the power of local government. Because in order to change government at the federal level requires massive efforts. Any, any change in government will require massive efforts, but compared to being able to go down the street to your city hall, speak to your elected representatives right there. It's just a much smaller bite to chew. Yet, the amount of leverage that can be accomplished by changing laws at the city level is extremely significant. So the first thing we did was, in our earlier days, we wanted to advocate for divestment on an individual level. In other words, create a campaign to get individuals to move their personal bank accounts out of the Wall Street firms and into credit unions which is commendable. We still recommend folks do that. We've all done it ourselves. But we were inspired by a moment a year and a half ago now that really changed the game. It was when the City Hall in Seattle decided to divest their funds from Wells Fargo uh, because Wells Fargo is one of the most egregious vendors on Wall Street. And we realized, hey, we're going to emulate that here because if they can do it, so can we. So we created Divest LA which was rather than campaigning for individuals to move their, their accounts, it was to move public tax dollars out of Wells Fargo. So we started working on that. And as we were doing the research, um, I was one of the folks tasked with 
you know, I'm doing the research on figuring out what other bank options are. One thing became very clear because, you know, as we were talking to folks about this, everybody asked naturally, okay, so where's my money going to go? Dealing with a city the size of Los Angeles, the fact of the matter is, is it's just too large for any small community bank or credit union to take the account. It's got to be another big Wall Street bank. Unfortunately, the way it works, more or less, is the larger the bank, the more likely they're going to be, you know, guilty of all the crimes that banks are guilty of. So that's when the penny drops. We realize, well, if we move it out of Old Fargo and then just into, you know, Chase, for example, or whoever else is in, you know, that club, it's going to be a symbolic victory. Now, it's a victory nonetheless for a lot of other reasons, but at the end of the day, we're, we're not really trying to change one symptom out of the system. We want to change the system itself. As somebody that had been already theoretically for public banking up to that point and a fan of Ellen Brown's, Again, like as I said, it was more theoretical up to that point. That's when the penny dropped. The, the, the light bulb came on over the head, and uh, I reached out to Ellen Brown. I said, hey, you know, this is what we're doing. But let me ask you a question. In your expertise, do you believe a municipal public bank is possible? Her response changed the course of everything. She said, absolutely. Uh, that'd be great. It's totally possible. So that's when we wrote into our internal strategy sessions about where that SLA was going to go that the final phase of divestment was going to be public banking because at the end of the day, public banking is divestment, right? You're moving it out of private banks into the public's hands. It's the, it's the end goal of divestment. So as soon as DivestLA became successful and after a strong fight that we put up for, for four months to lobby City Hall to do that, we immediately launched Public Bank LA now, granted, during the DiveSLA process, we were planting seeds in the legislative director's heads along the way. As we were talking about divestment, we'd ask about how they felt about public banking, and it's more or less completely new to them. But we launched Public Bank LA, and within a pretty short period of time, about one year ago, Herb Lesson, the president of city council, made a proposal for what was more or less a pot bank. So one of the things that gave our movement tailwinds was the marijuana uh, situation where it was illegal in the state, but federally illegal, and you had all these businesses making a whole bunch of money with nowhere to put that money. So public banking was touted as one of the solutions. Uh, we, as Public Bank LA, always made it very clear that uh, marijuana was a side issue. Uh, it's something that could be addressed great, if not, there's all the other real reasons that have public banking that still stand, uh, you know, namely saving money, environmental uh, consideration, social consideration, the use of banking. So fast forward with more communication to City Hall. A lot of this comes down to making, you know, networking. And we have some folks on the team that are just great at uh, doing that. And that connection with City Hall led to more and more education on their part, and now a lot of them are starting to realize that the benefits go much further beyond uh, uh, marijuana. It goes to all the things that could actually help the city. Uh, a lot of the things that they like to hear about it is that it actually saves the city money, so there's a very fiscally responsible reason for this. Uh, and so recently, they voted completely unanimously to put this on the ballot measure, so now we have a, a campaign ahead of us to get the popular vote on this issue. Once that happens, floodgates will open. 
And the vision ultimately is for cities everywhere to start following suit and for this model to be the norm and for the model we've had up to this point to be history. Phoenix, tell us what the response has been from other civic organizations, groups, and what kind of resistance you're seeing because we know that there's going to be a struggle over this. The banks are not going to give up easily, are they? Um, I'll tell you what the good news is. Because this is a relatively bipartisan issue, I mean, sure, you know, folks on the left in general will be all for it because of the obvious reason. So it's a bank with a triple bottom line mandate. In other words, it'll be, you know, an institution that does all the things banking does except mandated to do it in a socially and environmentally responsible way. So the left is taken care of there. But fiscally responsible folks that care about uh, that aspect of things, uh, you know, usually on the right, libertarian types, tend to like it as well because, you know, we've spoken about before, the city of L.A. is um, paying about $100 million tax dollars a year in fee, uh, origination fees and in interest to Wall Street. It's, it's the price of doing business with Wall Street, and that money is essentially extracted out of the community. Those are our tax dollars. So because of that bipartisan aspect, we have found that almost always, whenever we approach people about this, the way it goes is they tend to start from ignorance and then end up being for it. Uh, we've had very little resistance there. So our challenge is not one of trying to convince the masses that it's better than what they already think it is, uh, is better, but just to educate them and then they tend to be for it. The main resistance, though, which I think we've barely begun to see because Wall Street is <laughs> not quite activated as we're probably going to be once this campaign goes underway and we're ready for it. But the only resistance we've really found has been from folks you know, on neighborhood councils that are very cynical of, of the government itself and believe that you know, they can't do anything right in, in the government. They're just a bunch of bumbling bureaucrats that are going to spend away our tax dollars. It's going to be a blank check. These are the type of criticisms we hear. And I think they're fair. I mean, we are very sensitive to the problems uh, that could come with, you know, putting uh, the power of banking in, in the government's hands. I get that. But fortunately, we aren't starting from scratch. The solution to bad government is good government. And the way we want to actually have this created is with all the appropriate safeguards to make sure talent goes in there. We don't want this to be a blank check. We want, you know, bankers to underwrite based on sober criteria. We want it to be profitable. But I think it's very cynical to assume that profit and unethical outcomes necessarily are uh, intertwined. We believe it's possible to operate this entity profitably with, with financial talent without screwing people over. And that's how we want to create it. That's exactly how Bank of North Dakota uh, runs. They have been profitable, record profits for 14 years in a row now, including weathering the 2008 crisis better than private counterparts. Uh, Germany has a very exemplary public banking model that's actually closer to what we're trying to do here called Sparkhausen, which is a municipal or regional bank model. They're run very effectively. So it's not like we don't have evidence that public banks can run effectively and profitably. So really, it's just they're speaking, they're speaking dogma against empirical evidence, and all we have to do is show that evidence, and there's really nothing they have left. My understanding is that the farmers and small businessmen, a million or so of them or less, half a million maybe, back at the time of the Bank of North Dakota was created, did so specifically 
because they recognized the threat of central banking that is uh, a super government over the top of our existing government that uh, people don't even recognize is there and which of course is dominating and continues to dominate our banking system and creates the enormous amounts of printing press money that we see in our system. Right. Of course, the American public does not have a very a broad understanding of how this central banking works, but uh, apparently the farmers in North Dakota could see through it. And this, of course, has been a curse that's been laid upon our country from almost our founding, uh, where we started out with Alexander Hamilton being named the Secretary of Treasury, and he then, through his friends, ushered in the first bank in the United States, which was the forerunner to the present Federal Reserve System. We've been writing about this and talking about this for a long time. How do we get this across? You've phrased this in your website in pointing out some of the things that the, this, this financial thing does, part of which is, of course, con- almost continuous war that are being paid for by printing money. Do you talk a lot about that, or do people just kind of sense that, or how does it work? Yeah, it depends on the audience we're speaking to, obviously, um, because there's a multifaceted aspect to this movement. Um, you know, we'll, we'll put on our different hats depending on who the stakeholders are, right? So because we're trying to create a, a model that leads to uh, environmental and social good, people that care about that, we're going to emphasize that aspect to it. Usually when we're talking to, uh, you know, folks in City Hall, they care about the fiscal aspects of it, which is fair enough. I mean, it's important. But I can definitely point out the historical uh, relevance of this, too. We're definitely on the side of the Jeffersonians in this historic, in this line of history <laughs> that's happening now. That's the torch we carry, which, uh, you know, Jefferson himself spoused a banking system very similar to what we're trying to create now. And it was obviously Hamilton's system that won out. But the beauty of what we're doing is we're taking banking not only from a completely laissez-faire, self-interested system that has led to a lot of the problems we have now, but also from a large monolithic system towards local determination. You're putting this power not into, you know, necessarily a big national public bank per se, but into municipal public banks. We're, we're creating banks that are very sensitive to the needs of the local communities. Um, and that's an extremely important aspect of this as well. Hi, Phoenix. This is Craig. I have, a, I have a question for you. How do you see the big banks coming after you? Because obviously uh, losing a million dollars is not uh, in their best interest. And then how do you see yourself combating whatever they, how they're going to come, come at you? Yeah, you know, that's that's a good question. We're anticipating it. You know, I, from our own experience, we, we already went through this in the Divest LA days when we were, you know, when we were in City Hall at one of the committee meetings. We had our our side filled with activists and the other side was filled with, with the slick bankers or a lobbyist from the banks so with their slick back hair and their $5,000 suits going up and talking about how Wells Fargo is great for the community. I mean, they mobilized. They mobilized and they tried to pitch. But guess what? They lost. Right? So uh, they're going to mobilize. We, I think they're going to lose. But the way that they're going to do so is they're going to pitch all the, you know, the old objections that, you know, I kind of brought up before is it's going to, that this is going to be horrible for the city. You're going to put this vital service in the hands of incompetent bureaucrats. It's going to be a blank check to squander your funds. 
you know, that those are going to be the arguments that they're likely to bring. They're going to mobilize lobbyists to not only they're going to mobilize lobbyists to to tell city to tell that to city hall, which they've been doing. But now that it's up to the public, they're probably going to mobilize the uh, institutions uh, that affect the, the voting block, especially in municipal elections. So we're, we're likely going to see some. You know, propaganda being pushed through different organizations in the city, like the chambers of commerce and things like that. But we are going to push back just as hard. We're going to also give our points to the chambers of commerce. And I think that when at the end of the day, even the pro-business folks are going to, uh, at least the ones that are open-minded, are going to realize that you know even what we have to offer is good for local business as well. And they're going to mobilize, but I think we're going to win. I had a little experience, not too dissimilar from this, a couple of years ago when the state of Colorado was uh, under considerable pressure and thinking about approving uh, that the state's funds couldn't be invested in bonds issued by the state of Israel. We objected to that because of the way the money was being spent in Israel to kill people and imprison them. But we also objected because we could understand that the credit rating of the state of Israel is much overrated compared to their business uh, human. With a, a modest amount of effort, we were able to convince the state not to do this, and they didn't approve it. However, we did find out that some of the organizations, banking-type organizations who manage the employees' pension funds for the state, have invested a considerable amount of money in uh, not in the bonds of any other country like Germany or England or anyone else, but in the bonds of the state of Israel for purely political motives, uh, really. But it did not take too much to influence the state that maybe the idea of investing the taxpayers' money in somebody else's issue of bonds was not too great an idea. As far as I know, they haven't done it since. Well, I think that that's an excellent example uh, of, you know, people actually winning a battle that might seem to be impossible to win from the get-go. And, you know, you look at history, and I'm a big believer that those in power, one of the biggest things that keeps them in power is the illusion that their power is unstoppable, that it's not even worth standing up to them. It goes to what I alluded to earlier, is that a lot of the folks that see the big banking conspiracy and all the YouTube videos that talk about how horrible the banking system is, is you know, people tend to settle with cynicism. And, you know, I, I'm a huge believer that anything can change. And, you know, it's like the Aaron Brockovich story, or there are all the revolutions that have ever happened prove that any semblance of this idea that their power is entrenched necessarily is, is an illusion and it's propaganda and it's what people in power want those who are not in power to believe. And once we sh- we break the shackles of that cynicism, we break the shackles of that nihilism, we realize that we absolutely can win. And, and that, well, we're coming into this with that level of confidence that, that the, the moment, the big shift is here. Because like I said, once LA goes, we expect nothing less than a chain reaction, not only across the state, across the nation, and even across the world. And uh, I think it's going to be a paradigm shift. Your movement, which is so fresh and new and so very exciting, I'm sure. Uh, does anyone else have a final uh, question or thought? Yes, I do, huh? uh, Mr. Goodwin. I was wondering, have you been able to 
garner any organizations to support you? Is that's an excellent question, and that's no doubt going to be very integral to to success. Point up until very recently, I mean, the timing of this interview right now is just very interesting because we literally just got this announcement, and as of now, early July, we have not yet even received a measure, a letter, or, or with the name of the, of the ballot measure yet. It's the first phase for this November ballot. So going forward, we actually have just begun to shift gears in our movement to turn this into a campaign to gain, to garner votes, and that is going to entail uh, reaching out to other organizations. Now, we do have an official endorsement from the Los Angeles County Democratic Party. But part of our campaign going forward is going to be garnering support from all the neighborhood councils, from the chambers of commerce, from the unions, from other business organizations, um, and that's that's going to be the the campaign struggle we're going to have ahead over the next you know, you know four months or so. I'm curious, what is motivating the LA City Council at this point to want to do this, and then if it does get passed through. How are you prepared? And you talked about the slick bankers that were there at that meeting. How are you prepared to uh, stand up against them if they uh, bring their pressure on legislative issues or even lawsuits? How are you prepared to handle that? Sure. Well, I'll just say from personal experience over the last year or two, it's been interesting to see City Hall operate. And I'll say that compared to being completely on the outside looking in and actually going in and talking to them, People would probably be surprised at how much these folks actually do kind of want to do the right thing. They do care, and a part of the process is literally just educating them. We've been very impressed with the president of the council, for example, where, as I said, when we first went in there, they hadn't heard of public banking. We planted the seed for that, um, and he's been our biggest ally and proponent, pushing for it, pushing for it. And so I think we should give the folks a little bit of credit and, and, and where it's due and realize that a lot of the inaction that we might see might be out of just sincere ignorance. And if they're open to hearing what the rationale is, they might be actually willing to make changes in the system like they're doing so. So I think a good amount of the city council members actually care, I and mean, they believe it's the right thing because we've made that case for them and they're convinced. So they're actually doing it, you know, probably some of them more for the fiscal aspect, others more for the social aspect. But, you know, hey, <laughs> it passed completely unanimously, not one no vote to get this on the ballot, just you know, to, to be fair to them. How to mobilize? Well, what's interesting is, uh, again, you know, what the anecdote I told you about going up against Wall Street last time was directly to gain votes from City Hall themselves. Right? So it was actually, we were pitching City Hall, and then they were pitching City Hall their point so that the committee could make their vote. This time it's a little different. This time now it's up to the people, right? It's up to, it's a referendum for popular vote in the city. And that changes the dynamic, right? So now what we have to do is get the people to vote yes. And what they're going to try to do is get the people to vote no. And I believe that most likely the strategy on their part in order to do that is they're going to have to construct a false consciousness, just like in any democratic system where folks in power want to stay in power. They, they create propaganda and false consciousness. I think they're going to do that. They're going to try to come up with some narratives as to why this is going to ruin the city and ruin their livelihoods. They're going to do that through, I believe, the mechanisms uh, in the city, as I said, uh, that 
involve the voting blocs. So I think they're going to lobby, you know, through chambers of commerce and the other and other nonprofits or other, you know, organizations that active voters get involved in, neighborhood councils, uh, things like that. But again, for as much as they're going to do it, so are we. And I have enough faith in the intelligence of the people that if they just hear out our points and they hear out theirs and they're realizing whose side we're on and whose side they're on, at the end of the day, not a lot of common people on the Wall Street side. So I think that they're going to put up the fight, but I think it's going to be a losing battle for them. I have another question here. We saw a few years ago in California the referendum to do labeling with GMOs, and I can't tell you the exact number, but I was thinking it was over $20 million that was spent by the uh, big food agri companies to squelch this, and it did go down to defeat. Is there going to be some kind of a media type of campaign that's going to be garnered and some of the opposition, I guess, might come from the banks in the form of advertising against something like this? It's possible. You know, I, I don't know. I, I, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm on the other side, and we're going to do a week of what we're going to do. But I'm, I'm curious to see what, what attempts they're going to make. But, again, you know, we don't have not nearly the budget that they have. But I think that the, the times are shifting in a sense where people power can beat big money. I think we're seeing instances of that already. I think that if we just get our, you know, roll our sleeves up, get out in the street, create content ourselves that we share online, that's all free, talk to the neighborhood councils, get, you know, knock on doors. doesn't matter how many times, uh, you know, a, a reasonable citizen sees an advertisement from Wall Street, they get, if, they, if they're convinced that public banking is better than, than what we have now, they're going, to, they're going to vote with their conscience. Now for us, it's just a matter of getting, getting the, uh, the, the message out and, and teaching people what, what's at stake here. We will be concentrating on continuing to present this notion that the present system is dominated not by private banks at all, by, but by an international cabal that is dominating exactly how the money is spent. Busy funding wars, as you pointed out on your website, uh, busy funding things that American people are are finally starting to turn against and show that they don't understand. And we will certainly try to do our bit to help, and we'll want to follow you closely and try to see what we might be able to do along these lines in our, our own local communities. Absolutely. I'll explicitly encourage anybody listening, if they're in L.A., definitely you know support this, but wherever you are, you know, support your city creating a public bank. I mean, public banks can get small. Cities can get small. Uh, and if not for your city, for your county, for your region. Um, and if not that, for your state. You know, there's, there can be, I mean, that ideally what we'd like to see is cities, regions everywhere, states everywhere creating their own public banks. And the way we look at this is, yes, we're advocates in Los Angeles, but we want to change the entire system. We want a paradigm shift. And, and the way that we look at what's happening in L.A. is it is the first hole in the dam. And once that happens, the floodgates open. And it's going to be a, run, a runaway pattern of cities everywhere doing this. And I'm excited to see where that's going to lead. Phoenix Goodman, thank you very much for this wonderful commentary and congratulations on what you've done and what you've accomplished, most impressive and most needed. And the educational benefits of it alone are worth the effort because this is one way or another, this will wind up in changing the way people think 
about things like war and the way our money is spent for it and other similar pursuits that are all encouraged by the present system dominated by the international banking fraternity. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Appreciate your help. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you like this program, please let your friends know about it and our other thought-provoking podcasts. And be sure to visit our website, whtt.org, for a wealth of information on Christian Zionism and other critical issues that we face. Also at whtt.org, you can watch for free our award-winning documentary film, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Join us in our efforts to wake the town and tell the people. Start small, think big, and press on towards the straight gate.